Good morning, RCC family. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, we are so happy that you're worshiping with us this morning. This morning, you're going to find your announcements on the River City prayer wall, so make sure you go there after service to know what's going on in the upcoming weeks. For today's morning psalm, we will be reading from Psalm 17, and it says, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purpose that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to hear me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love. O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied in your likeness. So Father God, we just invite your presence into the home of everyone listening this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are God who guides our path that you are steadfast and you are consistent and loving and kind. And so, Lord, we just pray for a spirit of focus, for a spirit of stillness and Sabbath to fall upon us. Thank you for the work that you are doing in our hearts, in our homes, in our community. We love you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please join us for praise of the people. Lord God, today we gather in your name. Though most of us not in the indoor spaces that have come to symbolize gathering spaces for those seeking truth, justice, and faith. Many of us struggle to feel the sacred or even simple connection through a computer screen. And yet, here we are, gathering and struggling and trying to find holiness. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. Almighty God, you proclaim your truth in every age by many voices. Direct those who speak where many listen and write what many read. What they, that they may do their part in making the heart of this people wise, its mind sound and it, its will righteous. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. We pray for the countries where COVID-19 cases are increasing, notably the United States, India, Mexico, South Africa, Colombia, Argentina, Iraq, Indonesia, and Oman. Give grace to our, your servants, O Lord. God, we come to you full of grief. We find ourselves giving, going through the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance many times each day. Grant us the grace and space to grieve for our own losses and the grace and space to allow others to grieve theirs. The displacement of children from their schools and playgrounds today and the displacement of black children for generations. The isolation of the elderly today and of the marginalized throughout history. The power of protest or silence. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. Lord Jesus, when you came among us, you proclaimed the kingdom of God in villages, towns, and lonely places. Have mercy upon all who live and work in rural places. May their far-flung health care providers receive the training and resources they need to save lives. O God, behold and visit the cities of the earth. Renew the ties of mutual regard which form our civic life. Send us honest and able leaders 
Enable us to eliminate racism and violence so that men and women from different cultures and with the different talents may find with one another the fulfillment of their humanity. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. God, our Father, whose son had nowhere to lay his head, grant, grant that those who live alone may not be lonely in their solitude, but that in following Jesus' steps, they may find fulfillment in loving you. Even though so many around us in the world right now are never alone, we feel lonely. We miss communing, and we also miss conversations with strangers. We have sacrificed anniversaries and graduations and weddings and birthdays and birth plans in order to keep our communities safe. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. We pray for our religious leaders and essential workers. We pray for ourselves as we grapple with the lies of omission from our history lessons. We pray for healthcare workers and death care industry personnel. We pray for the unemployed. We pray for the scientists not be at war with politicians. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. Help us to grieve so that we may heal. Amen. Hey, River City family. Happy August. Um, I wanted to start today by saying thank you guys for all that you've been doing to care for and love our staff over the past week. The prayers, um, just the encouragement. I want to also let you know that it doesn't have to stop today and that one of the reasons we decided to go back online, it wasn't the only reason, but one of the reasons was because um, our staff have been performing so many different roles from doing the normal volunteering to doing their normal roles to figuring out how to do what we're doing in this new season. And the weight of it is one we want to give them attention and space to be able to kind of get away for a bit. So thank you for that. You can continue to love on them well, pray for them over the next few days, and it would be very much appreciated. Today we're going to be jumping right back into some of the texts that we've been talking about. We've been talking about agricultural things and how the gospel is like um, a garden or seeds or it's a process of growth in a lot of these passages where we've been talking about. But I wanted to start um, by saying the season we're in right now is one where we have the opportunity to look at it from a different view. And I'm, I'm hoping that you're doing that with me because I'm definitely doing that. And I'm noticing where I get to see my normal spaces in a new way. One of the things that I've been quickened to the most, and you heard it in one of the songs, was uh, the idea that God is fostering something under the surface of our lives that is meaningful and for now and that we need as we go forward. I believe that the church will thrive. I, I just know that Jesus is not like, all right, this is getting too difficult. I'm going to just back away. Let me know when you're done with this, guys. I have this sense that he is really doing the forming and walking with right now because of what's needed right now because of where we're going. And I sense him with us. I feel like our church and the body of Christ in general will be able to thrive going into the next season. And I think it's because of a lot of what we've walked through. We've had to look at life and church and our families and our schools and all of it in a different way. And we've had to ask ourselves really good questions that um, it's been hard and heavy. I get that. I'm living it. But I am able to notice that he is faithful and he's continued, and he is our shepherd, and he is with us, he is with you, and that we can trust that. And so today's text, it's a little different. It's actually not a parable this week. It's a miracle story, and it's one of the miracles that's actually listed in all four Gospels. In fact, this actual story in the early church, they would actually read this story daily 
because something about the story meant so much to them that they wanted their families to have to interact with it more than just every now and again. They would read it when they took Eucharist and they would read it at gatherings and they would talk about why this was important. To me, it's always been kind of a neat story because it talks about something that seems really impossible. It's not just a miracle that, um, it's, it's large. And it makes you interact with Jesus in a way that draws you away from what you can do on, on your own to what Jesus can do with his people. And so I wanna ask you to open up your Bibles to Matthew 14, 13 through 21. I'll read it to you from here and you can follow along. It says this, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great cow, crowd. Cowed. <laughs> Is this the right passage? Okay, yeah, yeah, this is the right passage. All right. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send these crowds away to go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied and they took up the 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. There was a lot of people, in other words, a lot more than 5,000. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, your word is alive. It is meant to read us and not just to be read. So when we talk about this text, let us all enter into the story, attentively listening to why it, why is this a text that you would slow down and why is this something that you would do? What was being said about it that we need to know for today? And help us to take it to heart, God. Let us be people who fall in love with your, with your texts because you live in those texts. Let us be people who love to be led by you and not just by our own best ideas. Let us return to the word, God, falling in love with it as a guide and a sustainer. Thank you for today, for this miracle story, and what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. So just real quick, why are we here? Well, this, this is kind of interesting to me, and this is where the story becomes very uh, personal to me. Well, they're here because John the Baptist has been killed. Jesus has been scolded in his own hometown. He's not been welcomed there. It's as if he's saying, this lesson that you're about to all get is not going to be able to be given to you in your normal spaces. 
It's not going to be able to be given to you in the cities that you live. It's not going to be able to be given to you in your comforts in your home. I'm going to have to take you to a new area for this lesson to be given to you. The normal one will not work. And it's, it's as if he's saying the empires of this time, the tentacles of the empires, were reaching into all these places that the people normally lived. And so Jesus decides to get up and go to a desolate place. He starts by trying to be alone, but he ends up going to the desert. We've all heard about the desert before. There's a few things I want to share with you about the desert that we've been talking through in the past two years. The desert is a place of wandering. It's a place of uncertainty. It is a place of rebellion against God. It's clearly a place of testing, as we see with Jesus earlier. It's a place where clarity for hearing happens for people. It's a place where people's discernment is developed. It is a place of slow growth. It's a place where people's callings are defined and they're prepared for those. And it's a chance to look at life from a different view. It's a chance to see the things they normally have differently and how those things might impact their lives. It raises profound questions about identity. It raises questions about, is God the supplier? Is he someone who will sustain us? Can we trust that he will come through? The desert provides these questions and places. And it reminds me of Psalm seventy-eight, nineteen. This is coming up shortly. I don't have that one on. So you you at some point need to earmark Psalm 78:19 and read it. So the crowds follow Jesus as he goes, which is interesting, right? Like, so how is this scenario being built out? The crowds see Jesus walking. At this point, people have become enamored with Jesus because his words bring life. And people feel like they're being led out of some of the things that they've been stuck in. And so they follow Jesus. They're like, yeah, we're going to we're going to follow you. And it's not just a small group of people. It's a massive crowd of people that start following him. And it's one of those kind of invitations of Jesus where after a certain time, they start to realize probably we're, we're going farther than we probably thought we were. And at some point, they start to realize, okay, this is worth us doing, but this feels less secure than what we just came from. The issue of food arises. It's as, it's as if this new area that Jesus is taking them doesn't offer the same kind of sustenance as the previous area. So they're led out, and the disciples of all people have the interactions that I think they're meant to have. They're shook. They've seen what happens to John the Baptist. They, see, they saw what happened in the hometown. They're realizing now there's 5,000 people around us at least and they're about to be hungry, and we're nowhere near where people can have food. So they have to interact with, how are we going to do this? I love that this is what this passage means to me. If there would have been six people that followed them into the desert in this scene, the disciples certainly would have had a good plan. They would have thought, here's what we have. Let's take what we have. We'll figure this out. Like We can, we can come up with what needs to be done. It's not gonna be the meal we thought it was gonna be, but at least all of us can eat. But it wasn't six people. It wasn't a manageable fear, worry situation. It was not something that could be done in their means. And so their best thought is, these people need to go back 
where they came from because there they can be fed. But something has to happen in all of them before they can go back to what was comfortable. Something has to be taken by all of them. Something has to be seen, heard, experienced. The disciples had to see what happens when their best efforts aren't enough. And this is a theme for sure through the gospels. The disciples continually think that they can manage what Jesus is saying. They don't understand, but we'll fight through this. This situation for them is providing them with an opportunity to see, oh my gosh, we're like really, really limited. This for certain isn't enough to feed this group of people. The people that are there have to learn something from this as well. They have to learn something about Jesus as a provider outside of their normal space. There are people miles away that are not in this situation right now. They're sitting there, they've experienced Jesus, they know that he is real, they're with him. They're now in a place that's not safe seemingly. And I imagine the disciples are thinking, if we don't come up with a plan for the food, not only will they not eat, but there's probably some unrest. This will probably turn into people on people. This will become a civil fight amongst everyone. This will, be, this will be bigger than just we're hungry. This could get really bad. So we need to mitigate this now. Like we need to figure out a plan to make sure that doesn't happen. Fear is setting in. Jesus is not able to do more than Jesus is able to do. What do we do? The people are just are, are there kind of wondering what's next, right? What's next? This is interesting also because the devil previously has brought Jesus to a similar spot. And if you can pull this up, Matthew 4, 2 through 4. This happened earlier. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall live not, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I imagine that the enemy of Jesus, the devil, right? The devil is thinking, this is maybe my opportunity to see what I was trying to provide then. But here the motivation is different. The motivation of, different, of Jesus in this passage is not prove your identity by what you can do so that you can have worth, which is what the devil was offering him, something that was already established for him, his identity as the son. We saw that happen clearly as the dub came down. Jesus saw that lie clearly and would not offer his gifts and who he was to prove his worth to anyone. The devil might be thinking, maybe this is my opportunity. The motivation here, this is interesting. The same things happened that the devil wanted to happen before, but the motivation is different. Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion on them and desires to heal them. The motives of Jesus throughout his entire ministry is always love and compassion. He does not need to prove who he is. He does not need to get worth by what he can do for others, and he won't be tempted to do that. But he will be motivated, motivated to use the exact same skill set for the right reasons. This taps in to calling. And in the desert spaces, we get to look at our motives. Am I doing this because I need to feel important? Am I doing this to show who I am and what God has given me? Or am I doing this because there is someone who needs it my heart is breaking with compassion and it's flowing out of me to love. This is what Jesus was being tested with earlier. This is what's surfacing now. His motives are pure. He's inviting 
the disciples in to see what it looks like to offer what we've been gifted with for the right reasons. It's a beautiful gift. Calling, identity, being able to do the hard thing in the hard time for the right reasons, right? Being able to step out in faith and even be brave for the right reasons. Not so that you can prove anything, right? We have a generation of people including myself, who has a hard time realizing how God is gifted and that I don't have to do a thing to receive acceptance by him, but that I get to be his son. And out of that, out of being a son or a daughter, we get to serve the world lovingly because it's flowing out of us, not because it brings us more worth. That's why it doesn't matter if we're on a stage in a a church at home, in a coffee shop, sitting in front of our sons or daughters, to offer what God has given us as a gift, not as our identity. Our giftedness is not our identity, right? We are sons and daughters of the king. Matthew 9, 36. Is this the one I already asked you to pull up and I didn't have it? No, there it is right there. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. His motivation was compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This was his motivation. His motives were right. And because his motives were right, this became a miracle that we still read about. He brought people. The disciples had little. They were invited into something that would be hard for them to deal with. Because if Jesus doesn't do it, it won't be done. The motives and the guidance of Jesus as the shepherd is guiding them. It's not their own idea. He didn't just say, listen, guys, go figure this out. You're smart. It's not just, he's not just saying to us right now, listen, this is, go figure this out. You're smart. Do the best thing you can. Make it work. He's saying, I, I am your shepherd still. I have plans. It will look like you trusting me. It may look like extremely brave measures, but if you do it for the right reasons, letting me be the guide, you'll see the fruit of God come forward. And that's what happens here. People get to see God do a miracle that, of course, is crazy. Five loaves does not turn into food for 10,000 people. That is not a scenario that randomly, it's not like, oh, actually, those, the, like the scientific, the bread was actually large. These are actually mountain breads. They only had a few in this region. And it, it, we, we know it's not that. It's this wasn't enough, and it became enough when Jesus blessed it, offered it, and then gave it to his disciples to carry it out. That's how it became enough. Jesus was the source of it. Jesus sustained it. Jesus sent it. People were fed, right? There's people back in this city that are not hungry physically for a meal. They are eating, dried up on the inside. There's people next to him in the desert who are hungry physically being fed on the inside, He's always drawing us out of what physically keeps us safe into areas to make us look at things differently so that we can examine our motives and then we can find out if we truly trust God with the invitation to say, you can trust me, be brave, listen to me, follow me. The world is shaky. Things are not stable. There's a way to look at that that says, get us back to the city. We need our stability Because stability for some of us is our God, especially in America. But here he's saying your stability is not your physical food. It's not your physical home. It's not even your immediate family. It is your shepherd, your father. It is Jesus, Yahweh. It is Father God. And if it can be that, then he can live through us. Then he can sustain us. Then he can become the bread of life, not just the bread maker. 
This is a prophetic act saying, I'm feeding you now, but don't get me wrong. This is not about the production of bread. The bread is the surfaced compassion that Jesus has for them to draw them into a deeper meal. The meal is him. The meal is the flesh. The meal is the blood. The meal is the invitation to dine with a Jesus who is present with us today. It starts small, five loaves, definitely not enough. It grows as they unify, as they submit to the plans of Jesus, as they believe that Jesus's words are true, and as they obey, they go. It's risky. They see it happen. Jesus gets the credit. This is not the story about the disciples who made bread come to life. This is the story about the Jesus who created bread to draw people into a deeper meal, and they got to be a part of it. I want to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. So all of this to say, and I'm going to close with this. Jesus starts this whole passage by getting away to be alone. I still am confused at myself and many of you at why in a season like this you can't create space to be with him. You're having to confront the reasons you don't want to do that. And it's things like, if I could just accomplish another thing, I'd be okay. And it's things like, I don't want to interact with whatever's behind that. Jesus is inviting you into a space to be alone with him, to step away from whatever happened before March 12th. He's asking you to step into something that's not a mistake and that he's not not aware of. He's trying to lead you into a deeper way to be human, to where he can look at your motives and he can bring healing and restoration, where he can see you in that alone space, his compassion can be for you, and then he can heal you. His purpose is good. He's a good shepherd. And while everything seems crazy, that's what he's doing right now. He's letting you reevaluate everything so that he can look into you and bring healing. That's the, that's the message of the gospel, right? Even in the midst of suffering and pain, which is real, right? We all one day die. None of us are avoiding that, right? There's no like prophetic anointing that's going to keep that from happening. That's happening. But in the meantime, we get to be people who live in this portal with him, being filled by him and loved by him. He's our sustainer. Our joy actually comes from him, right? We get to be motivated by compassion, not because we have to prove who we are as a church or a people, as a dad or a mom, but because he's so filled us and we so trust him that we will make steps of bravery because of that. We will also be humble, right? We won't require that people see our gift, Because compassion doesn't demand that. Compassion and love does not demand that we be seen, we be heard. Compassion and love is humble to the point of death. Compassion and love led Jesus to a cross where he would say, this is for all of you. The weight of this is for all of you. This is the kind of leadership he's trying to offer us, to follow him into a place away from our normal places so that he can realign us. It's a season of realigning our hearts to our sustainer king, our redeemer. I'm just gonna throw out a hundred words about who he is. Like he's good, right? I've had to look at mine uncomfortably. I started praying a few months ago that he would let me cry. I almost wish I wouldn't have. I watched the making of Frozen 2 and cried through the strangest episode. I don't even understand why I was crying. And I, it's just happening. I sat on my back porch again this week, just started crying. He's doing things in each of us. He's not wasting this season. Don't just skip ahead, 
right? Be attentive to the invitation of the Spirit right now, August 2nd, in your living room, this week. Be with Jesus. You can do that. He's not checking it off in heaven, but he's like, please create this space. I would love to sit with you and restore. I would love to look at why you've been hiding, not to shame you. He's not trying to shame any of us. He's trying to bring healing to those who are sick. He's trying to feed those who are looking for a deeper meal, right? We can all find food, but can we find the kind of food that he's offering? Not if we don't slow down to be with him. After he slows down in the beginning of this, right, he sees the motives. He offers us a new way. So I wanna pray with you today two things, and you don't have to close your eyes. I'm not gonna close my eyes. There's a mantra that some of us are saying that it feels like we're gonna die. Like whether that's real or like spiritual or communal, we feel like we're dying. I don't think I can handle this anymore. Like this is a legitimate thing I'm hearing from people. This season is too much, it's too weighty. And it is, like we're dealing with it. I just want to offer you an invitation to present those things to your father. And even if it's just like a simple, Jesus, this is the first time I'm saying this, but I need you to help me. I I need help. I need to know you're near me. I need to know you're with me. I need your presence. And the second thing is for those who feel a sense of calling, stirring, and motives feel to be aligned, you really want to serve and love And you're seeing this world as a world that can't be helped, like the disciples. And you're saying to yourself and to Jesus, let's let's just send them back. Like, they can go back and buy their own food. and, And you're just saying that to this season. A lot of us are. Like, just send them back. Like, leave me alone. This is a hard enough season. We're barely managing. Go back to, go back. Like, I can't help you. Your invitation here is to allow Jesus to show you a new way to be brave so that they can receive the love of Jesus. This is not you forming a plan. This is you being attentive to what he would invite you to do. And you'll feel as if you don't have enough because you don't. And when you feel it, when you feel the weight of that, there's not even a, it's not even worth trying because I don't have enough. You know that you're being led by him because then he can do the things he needs to do. But if you feel like you can do it on your own, You just formed a good plan. That's just you. That's just you talking to six people. There's six billion people on our planet that need the love of Jesus. And I am certain that he knows how to love them well. And I'm certain that our best efforts are not enough. So we need him. We need him now more than we've ever needed him as a church, as a family, as a father, as brother and a sister, son, daughter. We need him, period. We're carrying too much. It's not manageable. We need Jesus, and I'm thankful that he's letting us see that without him, we can't. Jesus will sustain, will lead, will feed. He will nourish. He will take us through hard seasons where it feels like we won't get through. He will quench the previous appetites and show us the new, deeper ones. Today, I pray that he overflows you with what it feels like to be loved and sought after and sustained And I pray mostly that you would trust him again. So Jesus, this week, I thank you so much 
that you allow us to go into seasons that say to us, this is a bad spot. This is uncomfortable. I am not in my normal place. Take me back so that we can then move on into a deeper place with you. Hear the invitations of your Father leading you, loving you, reminding you. He is still good right now. He is so active, right? He is walking. He is talking. He is healing. He is seeing. We can listen. So he, he who has ears, she who has ears, listen to the word of the Lord. And be attentive to the Spirit. We thank you, God, that you're going to guide us even into August and this month. And that you're going to show us what to do and how to be the body. You're going to give us creative ways to love one another when we can't put thousands of people in rooms on a Sunday anymore. We're having to ask questions about what does it mean to be the body of Christ, and it's good that we are. It's good that we have to ask, how do we love this world right now? Show us, guide us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. See you very soon. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.